0: Heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created. Dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations. Anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provision and resources to go to the nations. Souls and more souls from every generation saved and set free carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so that I may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Tremendous declaration this morning. Hallelujah. Just a few... um, if you have your, your bulletin, this morning, uh, not going to, again, not going to go over everything that's in there, but just, a, of course, just a reminder that we are on Facebook now, and so if you have Facebook, um, you can get on there and um, you can look us up and like us and follow the page, and we're going to do our best to keep everything up to date in terms of announcements and things like that, little news blurbs. Um, And a great way to communicate as well with each other. Of course, uh, coming up uh, as well uh, is graduation Sunday, next Sunday in seven days' time. And we are honoring our grads on that day. And of course, as you can see, uh, Caleb, and Caleb was valedictorian, Something I never got to enjoy was being valedictorian. I tended to like ball hockey and sports. I was the most disorganized student in high school. Every September, I would start off on a good note, and the next thing I knew, I, I was uh, you know trying to collect my stuff. But uh, congratulations, Caleb, on that. Of course, Claudia and uh, April as well, and I know that the Lord has good things in store for you as long as you keep your hand in your heart on the right track, and keep, uh, you know, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's the key thing, and he'll he'll lead you and he'll guide you in what he wants you to do with your life. And how many know this morning that um, we are to definitely invest ourselves for the kingdom of God. And so, just continue to pray for these graduates. Um, I jo- I, I've, I've heard some people say that that now the easy part is behind you. <laughs> now 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 you're uh you know now you have a uh, a whole a whole new adventure a whole new adventure um and of course so we're going to be celebrating with a a shared meal and it'll be a cold dish to share uh next week so so keep that in mind keep that in and also uh, on on uh, father's day we are planning a family sunday and and penny did you want to give any any information whatsoever toward that any any bit of I told Penny we, we need you know we want to pump it up a little bit right we're gonna pump it.
1: So so this is a commercial. <laughs> I'm I'm just asking that you all bring an open mind to Family Sunday. I'm sure it's gonna morph. We're gonna you know it is. Our our first Sunday I have a lot of fun planned. It's gonna be really, really different but I, I want to urge you to come out because I have a vision for the generations just melding together, and, and we want the generation under us to go further than we did. We want to pass the baton, and, and so I just see this Family Sunday as, as that family gathering and us uh, just learning from each other. And I know I have learned a lot from my grandchildren, so let's see what we can do for Family Sunday.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, we want to be an intergenerational church. Amen. We want to be able to pass our faith, our experience in, in knowing God. And how many know this morning that uh, I remember being a kid. I'm just a little side note here. But I remember being a teenager in church, in a small country church, in a, in a, in a little suburb of Lockport. Now, uh, if you know anything about Lockport, Nova Scotia, which most of you don't. it's a, it's a little town on the on the coast. and uh, bustling metropolis of uh, right now, probably about six hundred people. And that's a joke, bustling metropolis. so we we lived in the burbs, in the suburbs of of the bustling metropolis of Lockport. And uh, so I went to a a, a little church there, and uh, but I heard, on a Sunday night when maybe 30 people would gather and most of them would be seniors and I would probably be the only dark haired person occupying my head a whole if I wanted to but I listened to the testimonies of, of some of these senior saints and I want to let you know that there was many times I didn't know what the, the pastor preached on but I remembered the testimonies and the thought was this is that if God can continue to do things in their lives all through these years and they can still be excited enough to come to an evening service with 30 people and still get up and be excited about Jesus then maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's something to this. And I don't know about you but how many know that when we gather together we we gather together we, we encourage one another. We bring something to the table. When we come to church, it's like potluck. We all bring something to the table. And your presence encourages me. And maybe my presence encourages someone else. And so we want to be a church. And I believe that God wants all churches to be this way. To be an intergenerational body of believers so that we can pass on. We can be a Paul to some young Timothy, amen? So to speak. So we want to be an intergenerational church. This morning I want us to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Of course it's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter 2. And you would expect that in a Pentecostal church we would probably talk something about the day of Pentecost. That would be my assumption. Being in a Pentecostal church, we would look at the Day of Pentecost. Or so Pentecostal churches, the Day of Pentecost. Chances are, we would look at something about the Day of Pentecost. And I want to do that this morning. So Acts chapter two. And before I do that, I just want to start off with a personal story. I remember when I was uh, twelve, uh, I was in again. I was like I said, I was in that little country church in uh, in East Green Harbor. And uh, it was on a Sunday night service. I remember those services where the pastor could preach basically Genesis to Revelation. He hit salvation and the second coming of the Lord all in one shot. And uh, before you left, you were wondering if Jesus was coming that very night. And if he was coming that very night to snatch up his, his bride in the rapture, well, you better be ready. And so as many nights on a Sunday night, you got the whole, you got the full package. And so I remember on a a night when I was about 12 years old, and I was in my bedroom, in the quiet of my bedroom, and I was processing all this stuff. And I was asking myself the question, is this Jesus stuff really real? And I can tell you that I felt this impression of the Spirit just confirm in the affirmative that what I had learned since I was about four going to church and so on uh, and, and, and everything that I had seen, everything that I had heard, everything I witnessed was real. And that night, I knelt down by my bedside and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life. I did not want to go where he was not. Fast forwarding about 10 years, because um, I remember going to church and I remember hearing sermons on Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. And I remember asking myself, well, how come I haven't really experienced some of this supernatural stuff that people talk about? I was like asking the Lord many times, like, Lord, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? And I'll be honest, I'm a bit of a cerebral person. I'm I'm less of a, I'm more of a thinker than a feeler. That's just the way God wires me. I'm more of a thinker than a feeler. But when I was 22, my cousin and I went to a firehouse leadership conference. It was a conference in Moncton, New Brunswick at Glad Tidings. And at the conference, it was for, it was for youth leadership. So I was, I was went as a delegate. I went as one who was helping to, to lead the youth group in my church. So it was an equipping time. And there was, a, there was a, a, a preacher from Ontario. I remember he was tall, dark-haired. Can't remember his name. But what I do remember was that we were in, this, in the service in the evening and he, he distributed to everyone a piece of white chalk. And at the conclusion of the service, he said this. He said, if you sense that the, that the, the, the Lord is speaking to you and this message is spoken to you. I want you to come up. I want you to find a place. Draw a circle on the carpet and stay there until you met with God. And I just felt, I just felt the, the, the jitters. I just felt like this is for me that I just, I just, I just, I just, I just had this overwhelming sense that I need to go. You ever feel that way? you just know that that the Holy Spirit is tapping you on the shoulder maybe even trying to drag you there well I remember taking my piece of chalk and making my my way I was probably seated on this side near the back I made my way and I went over to where it would probably be somewhere around here in fact I was as far away from people as I could possibly get most of the people were, um, most of the young people were probably about from the center of the platform over. And so I decided to go just as far away as I possibly could. And I drew my circle. Now, there's a reason for that. The reason for that was simple. The reason was that I've been in services where everybody would say, when it came to receiving something from God, they, some people would get onto you and they say, hold on, hold on. There would be others who would say, let go, let go. And so I didn't want anybody around me to confuse me. I also were in services where I saw some things where I'm like, I just don't know. That just doesn't really seem authentic to me. And I don't want anything that's, that's inauthentic. I want, if, it's, if something is going to happen here, I want it to be real. I don't want it to be manufactured and, and telling me to do something or say something or whatever that I just know this this isn't God. This is you trying to manufacture something. So you might say a little cautious, maybe a little skeptical, maybe a little rebellious, I don't know, however you want to perceive that to be. But I remember going over into the corner and i was i drew my circle on the carpet and i and i knelt down in the circle and i was as i was kneeling down in the circle i was praying for other people i wasn't really praying for myself i was praying for other people but as time went on i began to sense that there was just something happening on the inside of me it was almost like somebody was putting was pumping and and just kind of pumping you up kind of like you were getting some pressure you were getting pressurized and all of a sudden I couldn't contain the pressure anymore and so I went from kneeling over in the, in, in the circle to now standing in the circle from praying quietly to now finding that all of a sudden I just burst out with very loud very fluent couldn't contain it it was like the dam had broken you ever see on the movies when there shoots into the air well, that's what it was like. It was just like, boom, somebody had ran over my fire hydrant, and all of a sudden, boom, it just was shooting into the air. There was just this, it was, it was fluent, it was quick, it was fast, and it was in tongues, and I had no idea what I was saying. I was fluent than I could speak English, it was more rapid. And it just flowed, and it flowed, and it flowed, and it flowed, and it flowed. And it was almost like I had an outer body experience where I jumped outside of myself, and I said, what in the world is going on here? We find a similar thing in Acts 2. In Acts 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came. Father, we come to you this morning on this Pentecost Sunday and we just ask God that once again that we would be a people who would want to receive, who would want to have all that you desire for us. I pray, Lord, just once again that you would just fill us to overflowing. You would enable us and you would empower us to do that which you've called us to do in a greater measure. And that we would understand, God, what it is that that this really is all about. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit would speak to each one of our hearts. You would anoint our minds with greater understanding and revelation this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke continues on and he says, And now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their own language being spoken. They were utterly amazed and asked, Aren't these all who are speaking Galileans? In other words, these Galileans wouldn't have naturally known their language as they were together for the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem that day. And he continues to go on in verses, in verse 9 down through to verse 11. And so Luke tells us who were all that were there. won't go through all the lists there, but you'll notice that there's a number uh, who have come from away. And here's what it says as it's coming to the end of verse 11. It says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And amazed and perplexed, They asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? I had the similar question what is going on here right now with me? And so they asked this question what does this mean? So some of them were thinking, oh, well, these guys are just like they just had too much to drink, they just got into the sauce. They've been just drinking. That's the only thing. We're, they, they've been into the wine. They've been into the wine. But then Peter gets up. Peter gets up. And Peter begins to give us, and he gives them, and he gives us some clues. And so I'm not going to rehearse or read over the sermon, the very Christ-centered sermon that, that Peter gave as he addressed the crowd that day. But I want us to hook into verse 17 Verse 16, actually, we'll start at verse 16, where it says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. And then looking a little further through the telescope, because this is, this is remember, one of the things that you might notice about prophecies, is oftentimes you'll read it and say, I'm not really sure why we have this, this thing that seems like it's happening pretty close to us. But then there's some things that seems to be way off, and it's almost like looking through a telescope. And so Peter is saying what's happening right now is a fulfillment of what Joel had said. This is an Old Testament passage looking forward to the day when this promise, the promise of the Father, which Jesus told them about, the promise of the Father, that this is what was going to happen. And so he says, in the last day, God says, and this is what he says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Then in verse 19, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billow of smoke. And the, ton, uh, the sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the, great, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will, will be saved. This is fu- more futuristic. This is about the day of the Lord. But in the near sense of that prophecy... Peter is making a very important point. And the very important point is this, is that what you've just seen, here's the answer, here's part of the answer. The part of the answer is what does this mean or what is going on, is what is happening here in this text on the day of Pentecost is the fulfillment of a promise. How many know that when God makes a promise, he always makes good on it? When God makes a promise, he always makes good on it. And what Peter is saying to us, and and this is one of the things that oftentimes I missed as I was in the Pentecostal church and as I was trying to grapple and understand this, is that this is not just something that happened in the New Testament. We oftentimes go to Acts 2 and we go to the book of Acts exclusively sometimes to talk about these matters. But this is really rooted, and this is where Peter is giving us a clue. He's saying, actually, if you really want to know what this is all about, this is a promise that God has already made to us long ago in the Old Testament. That in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Now, why is that so significant? Why is it so significant? The significance is because there is a purpose to this. There's a purpose to this. One of the things, if you ever notice, and we don't have time to do a big survey here, I'd love to do a a much more in-depth teaching on this. But we really don't have time to do that. But I will just make this statement this morning, is that the purpose of of what had happened right here, when he says that in the last days I will pour out my spirit. Now, if you go to Acts 1, I'm just going to go there for a second. Acts 1, Luke writes, this is about Jesus' command. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father. What did he do? He he promised it, right? The gift my father promised, for which you heard me speak, speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be, you will be what? You will be baptized. Help me out. I need to know you're still listening. With the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus says here's the promise. Here's what's going to happen. Even John mentioned this numerous times that Jesus was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. So, what happens to them in Acts 2? They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what happens. They're filled, it says, but that's a, that's a synonymous term. Let's take a look at also what it says in Acts 7. He says, it is for, not for you because they're asking the question. Here's the issue. Here's what you need to understand. Is that, you see, when John was, was, was speaking about these things, John thought that when Messiah came, because this was the expectation of the Jews, that when Messiah came, the old age was going to break and suddenly the new age was going to break in. The age of the Messiah, the messianic age. And so that's why when you read what John the Baptist was saying, it can be puzzling because it's almost like, John, you're speaking just some very powerful judgment language here. The wing fork is in his hand and it's going to burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's like judgment language. Like, What are you talking about, John? Because when we look back on it, we, we don't see all this judgment taking place. What we see is this delay when Jesus shows up. And so John thought, and this is why he was puzzled about this, and this is why he asked, maybe there's someone else that is, that is to come. And so here... For John baptized with water, but in a few days he'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 7, look what he says, because they're asking about, okay, is this the time? Is this Now, is this the time? You know, John had, we had it wrong before, but now is this the time, Jesus, that you're going to restore everything? You're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And, and Jesus says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive what? You will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes in you? Upon you. Thank you. Amen. How many know when you become a Christian, the Spirit comes in you? He indwells you. But there's something that's different about this. This, is, this has to do with uh, the Spirit coming upon you. In fact, in fact, it was the same thing in, in Luke 24. When he said about staying in the city until you are endued with power from on high. And so what we see here is that there's not just a promise, but there's also a purpose. And that purpose is actually rooted in the Old Testament. Now I don't have time to get into all these different things, but I just want to highlight a few things. And that is this. And I want to state this. So, Pastor Steve, what is the purpose of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? What is the purpose of the Spirit coming upon us? What is the power all about? Is it just for us to speak in tongues? Because that's what I thought that it was, because that's what I was basically told it was. And it was sort of an indirect teaching. And I heard a guy tell me one time, he said, You know, in our church, you know, getting your baptism in the spirit was almost like getting a badge of honor or getting a stripe on your sleeve. I've got it. And it's like, Okay, what for? What's the point? And that was really my question. But there's a purpose in this. And the purpose is this the purpose is for us to move into a prophetic vocation I'm not sure if you got that or not you see in the Old Testament how many know that God does can can use people to do amazing things he can take ordinary people and make them extraordinary God does that doesn't he but how many know he doesn't do it through your power He does it through His power. In the Old Testament, do you remember when they were building the tabernacle? I'm just going to highlight this real quick. you remember when they were building the tabernacle? Do you know that the Spirit of the Lord came upon those artisans to build the tabernacle so that they would have craftsmanship that was empowered by the Spirit? Their creativity was ordinary, It was extraordinary. Because we have a creative God. How many know that not only the artisans, but the Spirit of the Lord would come upon the kings so that they could lead and govern? The Spirit of the Lord would come upon the judges. Samson, as an example, although he's not a great example. He was a little bit of a womanizer. Got himself into a lot of trouble. I was taught in Sunday school his strength came from his hair and so that when they cut his hair that's why his no that's part of his consecration to the lord in the service of the lord it was actually that the spirit of the lord would come upon samson he didn't work out it in the gym he wasn't on steroids or doing creatine and you know doing his bench pressing and his squats and all that no he wasn't doing no the spirit of the lord would come upon samson and that's why He called upon the Lord one more time so he could tear down the pillars and tear down the Philistine temple. So the Spirit would come upon the artisans. The Spirit would come upon the kings. The Spirit would come upon the judges. And the Spirit would come upon the priests. And the Spirit would come upon the prophets. Why? Very simple. The answer is because God had ordained them with a specific task. And in order for them to fulfill that specific God-ordained task, they could not depend on their own strength, their own wisdom, their own ingenuity, their own strategizing. But instead, God gave them supernatural enablement so that they could fulfill a God-ordained purpose. Remember, remember David. And I use David, I'm using David as a bit of an Old Testament example this morning. I kind of like this. If you go to 1 Samuel 16, 1 Samuel 16. And you remember when they were gonna uh, select, you know right now Samuel is getting old, and in verse verse 1, let's go there, 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. And the reason oil is this oil was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And oil was used, and when they would anoint something, they would smear it on the object. So if it was an instrument or a piece of furniture that was used in the tabernacle, or the temple, they would anoint it because it was set apart for divine purpose. But they also do the same thing with those who are being chosen, for example, as kings and priests. So he says, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. And then the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me, the one I indicate. You are anoint for me, the one I indicate. Not the one you indicate, Saul, or Samuel, but the one that I indicate. And so, in, in verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Well, I think that I'd be pretty impressed with somebody who was old and tall. I look at my son and I'm thinking, man, he's like pushing six foot two. Surely, surely, He's the dude. Wrong. Aren't you you glad that that God... Do not consider his appearance or his height. Hallelujah. For I have rejected him. But the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. So we can stick that in there and say it's very important that when God is trusting someone with an empowering and anointing of the spirit that your heart is pretty important in this matter. So then Jesse called Abinadad to pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And continues to go to the sons. And so the Lord has not chosen these. And so he asked Jesse, this is Samuel. He said, are these all the sons that you got? Because I feel like I'm on a wild goose chase here. And then he says, there is still the youngest. Praise the Lord, I'm the youngest in the family. He's tending the sheep. And Samuel sent for him. He says, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome figure uh, features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is... The one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. But you will receive power, he said to his disciples on the day, preceding, preceding Pentecost days. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon comes upon you and notice here from that day on the spirit of the lord came powerfully upon david have you ever been in sunday school and they were you know they were we used to sing a song we used to sing a song and how many know guys that songs will teach you something They can teach you good theology or they can teach you bad theology. We used to sing the song only a boy named David. How's the words go? Only a boy named David. Only a little sling. Only a boy named David. But he could pray and sing. Only a boy named David. Down by the rippling brook. Only a boy named David. Five little stones he took. One little stone went in the sling and the sling went round and round. One little stone went in this thing, and this thing went round and 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 round. And round, and round and you get dizzy, right? One little prayer went up to God, and the giant fell to the ground. That's just what we used to do, right? <laughs> Maybe we'll sing it next week for family Sunday. Who knows? I hope it's okay that I get a little bit loose right now. Do you know that was wrong? We're in Sunday school, and they're teaching us wrong theology. We're singing it all wrong. You show me in the text where it says that one little prayer went up to God, and the giant fell to the ground. There was no prayer. No, what we got ourselves is a young guy, the youngest in the family. And guess where he is? He's bold. He's got a boldness that these other guys didn't have. You know, he's trying out Saul's armor. This ain't no good. This is man-made stuff. This is the way that men would try to take down this here giant that's defying the armies of of, of the Lord. Folks, I want to tell you something. When we are facing the giants, we're facing the enemy. And I want you to know right now that we are facing an enemy. If you look at what's going on in our government. Do you think that that's just the thoughts of men? No. That is the devil coming against our country. It's coming against the church. It's coming against God's ways, His precepts and His commands. This is an attack. This is like the giant standing there, nine feet tall, defying the armies of Israel. And it's not going to be We're not going to win the war, we're not going to win the battle by putting on Saul's armor and wielding Saul's shield and sword. The only way that we're going to win, the only way we're going to take ground against the enemy who's having a field day right now in our country, amongst our families, in our government, the only way we're going to be able to do it is if we, like David, have the Spirit of the Lord come upon us powerfully, anointing us and equipping us to be able to take the giants down. There was no little prayer. It was just a young guy that was full of Holy Spirit boldness. And I think to myself, man, oh man, he must have had... If, if, if we thought that this was... This was in our strength. Just think about what you'd have to have to get that stone in that giant's head. See, the Spirit of the Lord was on David, thing. And the Spirit of the Lord supercharged that stone. And when that stone got released, I don't know how fast the Lord made it go, but it would be like a 30-30 shot. Boom! Right through the skull. like shooting a moose or a deer. you got to have some wallop to do that. That was the Holy Spirit. And so what does David do? David goes over and he rushes over and he draws the sword. He cuts off that giant's head. Now can you imagine what his brothers thought that day? Can you imagine what the armies, the army of, of Israel, as they were all dressed in their finest thought about this young lad because you see the purpose of the baptism the purpose of the clothing with power, the purpose of the spirit coming upon, the purpose of the filling of the spirit is for each and every one of us here today to have the same kind of divine enablement the same kind of empowerment that David had on his life that day And some of you want to say, well, this is just Old Testament stuff. No, there's a promise. There's a promise here. In fact, if we go back to uh, uh, Numbers 11, we can just do that for a moment here. Just go back to Numbers 11. This is another part of the promise. I hope I'm not taking too much time this morning. But I think this is important. Where do we go? I had this in Numbers 11. You remember when it was getting a little too big to handle for Moses and his leadership? And so the Lord said that you'll you, you appoint the 70 elders. Okay? Verse 24, So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of the elders and had them stand around the tent. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with them, and he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him. Who? Moses. It says it took some of the power that was on Moses of the Spirit and put it on the 70 elders. And when the Spirit rested on them, can you tell me what happened? They prophesied. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. And it, and it says that and they listed among the elders but did not go into the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them and they prophesied in the camp. In verse 28, Joshua, son of Nun, who had been with Moses' Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. I mean, you're God's dude. You're the man. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. And that the Lord would put his spirit on them. I'll tell you something. When you get into Joel's prophecy, and Joel is, 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 the Lord through Joel is making the promise, I want you to understand that this is exactly what's happened when we get to the day of Pentecost. This is fulfillment on the day of Pentecost. So we've got promise. We've got promise. We've laid out a little bit of the purpose. But also, the other part is this, and this is the third part I want to bring up, is that we've got promise, purpose, but what is it for? Well, I want to make the statement this morning is that it is is power. Can everybody say power? It is power for mission. It is power for mission. You see, when we we fast forward into Luke, and I want us to go into Luke here just for a moment. When we go into Luke, and I want to just make a little side note here. I sort of got my teaching hat on this morning. You see, during the intertestamental period, there was one of the... um, if you, I think it was in 2nd Barak, it said something about the prophets were sleeping. During the intertestamental period, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff going on. Not, all, not a whole lot of Holy Spirit stuff happening. But all of a sudden, when, when you... But see, here's the issue. The issue was that the, the rabbis in the rabbinic tradition, they, they understood that when Messiah would come, that there would be a restoration... Of the spirit of prophecy, because the spirit in the rabbinic tradition was the spirit of prophecy. We know we know the spirit as a, as the Holy Spirit, but they understood it as the spirit of prophecy, because as we noted, when the spirit would come upon people, a lot of times they would prophesy, and of course we've noted their enablement. And I always liken it like this. I mean, who would want to go into the forest with a dull hammer and to try to chop down trees when somebody could pass you a nice, gassed up, greased up, sharpened up huskaverna? Mm, Right? Now you've got power in your hands. But there wasn't a whole lot of power happening during the intertestamental period. So all of a sudden, it's interesting that when you get into the book of Luke, things really start ramping up. All of a sudden, you've got, you've got during the birth announcements of, of of John the Baptist, you've got, you've got angels showing up. What do we what do we say about in the, in our uh, offering? We said about angelic visitations. Yeah, angels are showing up. You've got pronouncements and decrees over John the Baptist that he would be filled with the Spirit even in the womb. And then his ministry would be that of a prophet. And then you've got the Spirit coming upon Mary, and the Spirit coming upon Elizabeth, and the Spirit coming upon Zechariah. And Zechariah, uh, here he is, he's mute. And remember when when, when Joseph and Mary went into the te- uh, temple to dedicate Jesus, that Simeon goes in there. This old man, Simeon, goes in. And interestingly enough, in the tabernacle that day, there would have been all kinds of people that... Mary and Joseph would have been the only ones that were there, and they would have. He would have went in there, and his as he was led by the Spirit, the Spirit directed him, and all of a sudden he sees the child, he sees the consolation of Israel, he sees the Messiah. So you have all this charismatic activity beginning to ramp ramping up, and then you come into Luke, and I want to get into this part, Luke chapter three. And I'm heading somewhere. You're going to see it. All of a sudden, you've got in, in Luke chapter 3, where Jesus is in the Jordan River. And in verse 21, all the people who were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, the heaven opened up. And the Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit the Holy Spirit can, comes upon Jesus that day, anointing him. Because when you go over into Luke 4, it says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Some people are like, do, do you understand that this is the Son of God? This is, this is fully God and fully man, yet he's full of the Spirit. Interesting. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He, he's led in, by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's tempted there. He returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He goes into Nazareth, where he was brought up. He goes into the synagogue, opens the scroll, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord Jesus is saying, Is upon me. Why? Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the lord's favor then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the tenant sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him because he he began to say to them this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing today and what does jesus do what does he do what is his ministry His ministry is a ministry that is full of the Spirit. In fact, He is a prophet like Moses, Isaiah, Elijah. And in the power of the Spirit, Jesus heals. He casts out demons. What else does He do? Help me out here. Raises the dead. Multiplies food. Speaks to the... Saying... Controlling nature. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. What does He get His disciples to do? What does He tell them to do? What's their job? He sent them out and He told them to do what? Preach repentance and forgiveness of sins. Heal the... Freely have Freely give. So he gives them authority. They come back. woo Wow, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So Jesus, Luke 24, stay in the city until... Stay in the city until you've been clothed. You see, Jesus was full of the Spirit, and he, now what he's doing is he's doing what, Moses, what happened with Moses. He's doing what happened with Elijah to Elisha. Right now, you see, on the day of Pentecost, here's what's happening. What's happening is, and there's more to this than I'm going to say right now, but you wonder, I've often wondered, why in the world was there 120 Some people might say, well, it has to do with the 12 tribes of Israel. You can divide 120 into 12 very easily, and you have 12 groups of 10. Yes, okay, constituting a new Israel. Okay, that's good. What else? Well, legally, according to Jewish law, that it would take 120 men to constitute a new community with a council. So again, this is a new community. New community. And what's happening here is that there's a purpose to this. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be my what? Witnesses. Where? Right, right. In in, in short, everywhere. Okay? So is is the purpose of this power so that we can have a wonderful time in Sunday morning. No. Absolutely not. They talked about Pentecostals hanging from the chandeliers and rolling on the floor and doing all kinds of stuff. Right? Having a hallelujah time. We have a hallelujah party in church. No. Jesus says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be witnesses To me, unto me, in Jerusalem, where's our Jerusalem? Vegraville is our Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Judea, where's that? Samaria? You'd almost think that, you know, with Edmonton and Calgary, you've got like Jews and Samaritans, the way they relate. (laughs) Praise God. Power for mission. Power for mission. Power for mission. So here they are on the day of Pentecost, and all of a sudden you've got the sound like a wind, you've got the fire, you've got yourself what theologians call a theophany. And those two things, with the exception of the tongues, would have signified to them that God's presence is here, something significant is happening. In fact, scholars would say that this is a renewing of the covenant that was made at Sinai. Mm Mm-hmm. Covenant. Just to let you know God is a covenant God, and he's renewing this covenant. He's 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 instituting a brand new community. A brand new community of spirit-baptized prophets for the purpose. Here it comes. What happens when they're speaking in tongues? They're uttering what the Spirit utters and who are within the earshot of what they are saying in languages they've never learned. People from all over the region, they're praising God, giving glory to God in languages they hadn't learned. Right there and then they were being witnesses. And part of this, and I don't have time to dig into all this, but I remember what Tim Enlow wrote. He said that if we want to understand tongues and the functionality of tongues, we need to understand that there were accounts in the Old Testament like Isaiah and Ezekiel for example Jeremiah I believe was another and he drew a correlation and you can check this out yourself where they where they felt they heard they saw and they spoke and he saw he sees tongues as a sign that we have been prophetically commissioned been given a prophetic ministry Who's our example? Jesus. Jesus was a prophet like Moses, Isaiah, Elijah. He was powerful in word as the spirit came upon them. Trace it through Luke Acts where you find when the spirit would come upon Most of the time they would prophesy. When they were filled with the spirit they would prophesy. Spirit inspired utterance. I'm very glad this morning that you can rely on the Holy Spirit to speak something, a word of wisdom, a revelation of knowledge to someone. He can use you in your witness. We should never be afraid in evangelism. Not when we understand that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He'll be with us to the very end of the age. The spirit, the comforter has come. And he is going to lead us and guide us into all truth. And it's going to also mean that when he, if he can give you words of prophecy in this building. For someone sitting over here. He can give you words that someone needs to hear who doesn't know Jesus. That can crack open their heart and their understanding. So that they can be open to, to hearing the word from the Lord. Don't be afraid in our witness. If you can speak in tongues here in your prayer language, he can use your tongue to witness to the lost. But it's more than that. What else do we notice? We notice that as this new community of spirit-baptized prophets, and if I can dig this out here, and I just want to hit this really fast, and I know I've probably gone over my time here, but this is so good. This is so good. Lincoln said, I still got a half an hour, so buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> so we have this, we, we have this new, we're, we're, see, we're, we're used to the whole teaching of the priesthood of all believers, but we got to capture this idea of the prophethood of all believers, the prophethood of all believers. We have the availability to do that. So it gives them the promise of power so that they can move into the same kind of ministry that Jesus had. Three-fourths of Acts from chapter six through to chapter 28 is devoted to the activity of six leaders. I'm going to give you the examples real quick. I like this guy's name. His name is Stephen. Acts chapter six. Notice what has happened now when you have a spirit-baptized prophet. Last days prophet. Verse 8, Stephen was full of faith and he was full of power. In verse 8, he did great wonders and miracles. Verse 10, we see that he had spirit-inspired speech and wisdom. Acts 7, verse 1 to verse 53, he gives a spirit-inspired defense. Verse 55, he's full of the Holy Spirit, saw the glory of God. You look at Philip in Acts chapter 8, he preaches the gospel. Acts 8 verse 5, he does miracles in verse 6, exorcisms and healings verse 7, he preached about the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ verse 12, he did miracles and signs verse 13. Barnabas, Acts 11, full of the Holy Spirit and faith verse 24, <clears throat> he speaks boldly under the inspiration of the Spirit in Acts 13 46, he performs signs and wonders. Peter is another example. Filled with the Spirit, spoke in tongues, Acts 2, 4. Has Spirit-inspired speeches in Acts 2 and Acts 4. He heals a lame man in Acts 3. Peter's shadow heals the sick in, in chapter 5. He prays for the Samaritans to receive the Spirit. He curses Simon, preaches the gospel in many villages, Acts chapter 8. He raises Dorcas from the dead, Acts 9. Paul. Performs signs and wonders in Acts 14. heals a lame man in Acts 14 as well. Uh, Healing came by his handkerchief. He imparts the spirit in Acts 19.6. He raises the dead. And he teaches that the church has the availability of all this stuff. Do you believe that that's for us today? But what's it for? Don't forget the purpose of this the purpose is that we would receive power not just any kind of power but charismatic spirit power to do our job and that job is to be a community of spirit anointed spirit empowered prophets of the most high God who know him, who have the spirit within us, but the spirit filling us, coming upon us, so that we can go to the lost world around us, in Vegarville, our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's the reason it's there. Don't miss the point. Don't miss the point. It's not just about our renew renewing. our our personal renewal or even corporate renewal although I will say that if we look at the testimonies of many people who experienced the baptism in the spirit there has been change as it took place on the inside you can't deny that but ultimately ultimately Jesus wants us to be baptized. He wants us to be filled. He wants to be clo- clothed with power from on high so that we can be a powerful force against the works of the enemy. Do you believe we have an enemy this morning? What did Peter say about Jesus? How Jesus was an, of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about destroying Healing those who are sick, casting out demons, destroying the works of the enemy. Do we still have works of the enemy this morning? Could we stand this morning? How many would agree and say, Pastor, there, there's still lost people in the world? Could you lift your hand? thank you how many would say this morning that there's still people who are bound oppressed, tormented by devils and de- demons who, who, would, who would lift your hand with that one I know you guys believe this come on now I'm probably preaching to the choir how many would believe right now that there's that there are, is a demon behind all the idols of the world, all the world religions are deceptive trying to lead them down right into the pit of hell Do we still have the works of the devil? The tear down? He's the enemy, isn't he? The devil is the enemy. His, His demons are the enemy. Look at the person alongside you. They're not your enemy. They're not your enemy. You look at the person next to you and across the room and say, guess what? That's this is the company. This is the community. That Jesus has here at this this address that meets here. this, This is the community. This is the group that Jesus is saying, you've got a job to do. And it's not to fight with one another, is it now? Amen? It's not to point fingers at one another. But instead, it's to join hands and to go forward as a powerful army in the name of the Lord. And say, we're going against our enemy. We're going up against our giant. We're going up against the Goliaths. We're going up against Jericho's. We're going up against all the... province of Alberta and and beyond hallelujah hallelujah bless you jesus bless you jesus could we just for a moment just lift our hands up to heaven and could we just in this place right now just say lord jesus you just sing?
1: A part with lettuce yes. experience. for your presence with us, Holy Spirit. for you. Fill them with yourself. Fill them with yourself. love just tell your d, d. Thank you. i'm forgiven Because you you. were forsaken I'm accepted You To my king would die. Amen. Yes. Let yes.
2: Spirit empower us.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy. i the you. fell on that day, too. Let your fire fall, Lord. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall. fall. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. More, 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 Lord. Oh, let your fire fall in this place. Let your fire fall in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your power manifesting in this place today. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord.